Good morning. We welcome you to our service today. I'm glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, we bid you a very warm welcome. If uh, you will take a moment and take the attendance registration pad and, and fill it out and pass it down to your row and give us that information, we'll be grateful. If you have no church home, we certainly hope you consider making Memorial your church home. Most of the announcements are in the bulletin. I call your attention to these. You'll find a, a word about next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We'll be having a, a service. The youth will be uh, sharing their experiences in the Family Life Center that they had on their mission trip this summer. You'll find words about college students and Methodist men and Relay for Life. I hope that you will read those carefully and will uh, respond. Uh, also, I've been asked to tell you that if you would like to go to Roller Sports and Tailors today uh, for all of our church uh, from four to six, you may uh, do that for $5, have a private skate time and a drink, uh, bring your socks. So if you can do that, uh, uh, that would be, be your pleasure today, this afternoon, four to six. Uh, Marnie uh, Dumas uh, will come and share a word with us now. Good morning. How are y'all? Um, I have a, the privilege and the honor of speaking about a program that's going to start September 13th here. Um, one of the things that I get asked about all the time, and can we add more Bible studies? Can we add more Bible studies? And we are. And I have the privilege to talk to you about it this morning. September 13th is going to be our kickoff date, and we're going to have a catered dinner that's going to be from 5 to 6. And then from 6 to 7.30, we're going to have Bible studies for all ages. The kids will have a, um, about a 45-minute time period of doing some choir and some handbells and some dancing and all that good energy, energy, getting rid of stuff. And then we're going to go in for 45 minutes and have a Bible study with the kids. The adults also have um, a couple of options for Bible studies. One is going to be a Disciple One study. And if you have never done a Disciple study at all, they are fabulous. If you've done Disciple One before and it's been a couple of years, it's a great one to take two times. I have taken it two times myself and needed that refresher course. It's a great overview of the Bible. You start in Genesis and you end in Revelation. So you definitely get a good picture of all the books. You get to know a lot of the, the, the characters that we know about, but, but you get to know them personally. The second Bible study is going to be Esther, and Esther is a Beth Moore Bible study that is going to be a video and um, some time to talk about our homework. Both Bible studies will, will be a daily reading that you'll have. You'll have a notebook for, for both of them, and you'll do a daily reading and then come in on Sunday nights and talk about what you read that week. Both of them are great. I have the books with me in the back. There will be sign-up sheets for the kids and for the adults and for the dinner that will be available to you before each service, either the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock service for the next couple of weeks. We just want to get a, a head count of how many people are going to be there. Um, we need to tell the caterer how many people are going to be there so that we can get you the right price. Also, if you would love to help, we need teachers and, and helpers in each of those rooms for the kids. So we would love that as well. You can either see myself or you can see Lee Radline. We both are, are very versed with this upcoming project and are very, very, very excited to be able to offer you all these Bible studies and to be able to offer them at all ages. So I thank you so much for letting me have a few minutes this morning. Thanks. Thank you. Let us prepare ourselves now as we continue to worship God.
us now affirm our faith together using the, the familiar Apostles' Creed found on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. I'll ask Allison Duncan to come forward, and if the children will come for our children's moments. Good morning. Did, how was y'all's week? Did y'all have a good week this week? It's a busy week. What happened? You started school back. We all started school back. It was a busy week, but it's also a fun week because you get to meet new friends, meet your new teachers, and for me, I get to see a new group of students every week, or every week now this year. Um, but also today is Promotion Sunday, and we are promoted to the next grade level. Um, and some third graders will be receiving new Bibles this week, so that's very exciting. God gives us a lot of great opportunities and new beginnings in our life. Well, I just love when school starts back because I get a group, new group of students, and I teach art at Greer High School. And in my class, we create different things, paintings and drawings. Do you guys take art class? Anybody like to draw? Me too. Well, do you guys know what, who the first artist was? God was the first artist. He was our first creator, and he created us in his image. And Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 tells us to be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, you know, when school starts back, things tend to get really busy. You get football practice starts, you get busy around your house, you're constantly going. We get busy schedules, right? I know when I was growing up, I know my sister and I always had dance class or cheerleading practice or my brother had football or swimming lessons, so you get real busy, don't you? Well, that's in a really important time because it's important that we obey our parents and do what they ask. Um, it makes everything, you know, flow smoothly and um, it's always good for us to help our parents as Christians, right? And Ephesians 6, 1 through 2 states, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father, father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Our parents love us very much, and they want you to do your best. So it's important when school starts that we help them and respect them and also your teachers and your, and, you know, your elders. Um, and we can thank God for new opportunities in our lives. It's always great to start a new school year and have new beginnings. And we can be grateful to the Lord for that. Ephesians 5, 19 through 20 says, Speak to another, one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's important that we praise God with happiness and be grateful for what he gives us every day. We tend to forget about that when things get real busy and you might have homework and things like that to do, don't we? Well, let's, let's pray and um, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Before you leave, I have a little something for you, okay? Let us pray. 
Dear God, we thank you so much for blessing us with new opportunities and new beginnings in our lives. Help us to seek your guidance every day. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Now, I've got a little something for you to start the week back off again. Hope this will help you. I've got some Smarties as a treat for you. As long as it's all right with your parents if you have it. So I wish y'all a great school year and a new beginning at church and at school. It's a wonderful opportunity now for us uh, to do a, a tradition that's been going on as long as I can remember in my life and, and probably in many of yours where the church uh, presents a Bible to those uh, our children who are going up into the, to the third grade. Uh, it's a very significant time and so uh, Lee has come forward and we'll be presenting these Bibles now. James Allen Smith. Sorry about that, man. Yeah. Bless you. Sarah Catherine Lee. My goodness. Sarah Catherine, God bless you. Maggie Warner. She, she didn't get to come over here. Isaiah. At a halt. My goodness. Congratulations, Isaiah. And the two who will receive Bibles but couldn't be here today are Peyton Keeley and Grady Shue. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you turn for our responsive reading, you'll find it on page 80, 805, really. It's Psalm 84. If you stand, we'll read this together responsibly. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! Lord of hosts, my ruler and my God, at your altars even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. The Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Be called our shield, O God. Look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I will rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God 
For the Lord God is a sun and shield and bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, bless your those who trust in you.
Join me now as we pray. Loving God, we come to this holy sanctuary to praise your name. We've come with cares on our hearts. We've come with the awareness of sins from which we need to be forgiven. Some of us carry heavy burdens. Some of us are aware of health problems that linger before us. Some of us are facing challenges with the economic environment that we're in. We come, each of us, with our own cares, with our own burdens, and we've come to lay them before you because we know that you're a good God. You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might know him and we might know life abundantly. We've come, O oh God, to ask you to speak the words that we need. We've heard your word in music a moment ago. We will hear your word from the Holy Scripture again in a moment. And we pray that we might have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that truly understand. We come, O oh God, with awareness that there are those who are not here who need you in special ways. Some are struggling with life. Some are struggling with health issues. Some are struggling with personal and marriage problems. We pray your blessings on these. You've heard our prayers that we've lifted for them, and we ask that you will bless them as you bless us. We've come now and we pray that as we gather that you will hear our prayers, for we make them in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If the ushers will come forward now, we'll receive God's tithes and our gifts.
Hear God's word as it comes to us from the eighth chapter of Romans, uh, beginning with the 28th verse. And we know that in all things, God works for good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, and that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't watch a lot of television, but I, I do enjoy several things. I enjoy Jeopardy uh, every now and then. Uh, I enjoy watching that program. I think I, I like to watch it really because when they pick a category I know something about, it makes me feel smart, you know? <laughs> and then when a, a category comes up that I don't know anything about, I feel so dumb. Um, I like uh, watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, too. Um, the other night I watched it. Uh, I was right impressed. I got to the $16,000 question. <laughs> of course, I had a little help from the audience. <clears throat> but, but, but the real reason I think that I like it is because it's a challenge to, to, to do, to tell what I know. And, and there are some things I, I'm aware of that I know absolutely nothing about. Do you find yourself like that? There are some things that I, I think I know the right answer and I'll give it, I'll spout it out, and then I realize when, I, when they tell me the correct answer that I was very wrong. But there are some things that when it comes forth, when they ask the question, they put it on the screen, I know the answer. And I'm so happy and I'm so certain, I'm very sure, I know that's what it is. I feel, you may remember the college student they tell about who went off and he was asked a, a question by the professor and he did not know the answer. And if you've been asked, called on in a class and you don't know the answer, it's a very humiliating thing. But this boy was smarter than I was. He, he asked the question of the professor. And he didn't know the answer, so he asked the professor, and he said, what do you think? Well, that was not the right question to ask the professor, and the professor, in a very ugly kind of way, said, I don't think I know. And the boy thought for a second and responded, he said, I don't think I know either. <laughs> uh, I, a week ago, I guess it was, or two, there was a, a man named James Jones, uh, James Jones is a White House security advisor. He was reported in the paper on television as being 90% certain that a Pakistani Taliban leader is dead after a missile strike. 
And I got to thinking about 90% certain. Well, that's, that's pretty good. That's almost certain. But there are some things about which we need to be more than just almost certain. There are some things about which we need to be absolutely sure. And, and sure is a different thing. Sure, if you look at a dictionary, it's, it means you're free from doubt. It means that you're positive about it. You have ample reason to believe it. You're confident that that's what it is. In the Roman scripture that I just read, Paul is giving a powerful testimony, a theological statement about those things in which he believes. They are beliefs that affected his life. And I believe they are things of which Paul was sure. And let's look at them for a moment today. The first thing that, that I, I see in the scripture is that Paul was certain of the way that God works. And, and he had a panoramic view of the way. He could see it all. It was clear to Paul that those who love God are the ones who are called according to his purpose and they are set apart. And those are the ones for whom thing God works out and works for good. Are those who are set apart, who are put right. You will remember that Paul had an, a Damascus Road experience. You can read it in that ninth chapter of Acts where his life was dramatically changed. He was transformed. And, and those of us who have been redeemed by God, who've been put right with God through Christ, are the ones with whom God shares his glory. I confess to you, this is a vision that the world does not have. It's a vision that only God can give us. God becomes the optometrist, the ophthalmologist, in verse 28, it says, we know that all things work for good with those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. I, I find and have found through my ministry that a lot of people tend to misquote this. They want to say that everything that happens to you, it's, it's going to be good. They say, don't worry. Don't worry that you've lost your job, that your wife left you or your husband. Uh, God meant it for the best. You wait and see. But it, something good is going to happen to you. It's going to all come out good. That's not exactly the religious way it is. It's not always things that are good. The, the, the helpful things that people try to give us, they try to make everything right. And often that's not their testimony. It feels like more like cruelty than it does consolation. The issue here is not centering on pain and suffering. It is rather on experiencing the presence of power of a God who changes things, the worst things that can happen to you and can happen to me, the evil things, the bad things, and can make them good. He works out those things and those disappointments and works them into a fabric of life and we become stronger we become better, not because we're good, but because of this wonderful, this awesome God. Paul learned a lot through the school of hard knocks. He had his own experiences. He was, was consumed with some of those things that, that had, had worked, that had happened to him. And I would be the first to acknowledge that there are some very bad things that happen to very good people. I've seen them, experienced them in my life and in my ministry. Most of the people that I've known have been able to turn these over to God. They've been able to, to let him weave them into the fabric of life and take these bad things, these things we would never have had happen, and we look back on them and we say, what a blessing they were. Now, we, we don't want to just have a blessing, have a bad thing happen so we can have a blessing. That's not the way it is. But it, it is important for us to see that this, this happens, that bad things do happen. and They become a part of our lives. But I've seen a number of people, a number of people who've not been able to move on. The bad thing happens and they center, they focus on the bad thing and they tell that over and over again. That's their story. They're like a, a, a dog chasing his tail. They go round and round. And have I told you about what happened to me? 
And ain't it awful? They play again and again. They hash and they rehash the bad things. Paul was confident. He was confident that God could come and work out of the terrible things, could use this material to do something wonderful and awesome and take the headaches and the heartaches, the pain of the present, and make something a blessing. Now, I, I believe that these are, are things that, that will not defeat us when we bring them to God. The key word for Paul, and we need to hear it carefully, was to those whom God loves and called according to his purpose. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Time alone doesn't bring a change. People have said to me, well, you just wait a while that you get over the tragedy, you get over the death, you get over the sickness. I've seen more and more people get hardened rather than get, get better. I've seen them get bitter. I've seen them become like prunes shriveled up. The painful event has stolen all of their music and they never recover. And the important thing for us to hear is that there is a God who watches over us. He is a God who has his eye on the sparrow. He is a God to whom we respond. And when we respond and we love him, good things happen. And Paul would have us see that. He had that understanding, that panoramic view of God. A second thing that I see is that Paul had a certainty of faith that would deal with these difficulties that come our way. Troubles will come. Life doesn't always work out like you plan. I look at some of you, and I've known for all these years, uh, some of your dreams didn't materialize the way you thought they would. In my life, it didn't work out the way I thought it would. You, you understand that? that? That's what happens. Life asks us questions. We have to come to God and ask, what do you want me to do? What would you have me do with my life? I've seen lives totally disrupted. Uh, Katrina displaced so many people. Uh, that uh, mighty area I grew up in. I remember and shared at the first service going across the Mississippi River there at New Orleans. That river, the Mississippi River, the Old Man River we call it, is a mile wide. I've gone across it on bridges. I've gone across it on ferries. I've looked at it and watched it from the banks there as ships have come and gone and brought their, their, their merchandise in and their cargo had it loaded and unloaded. I remember the story my dad told of the time people said, you know, it, the river will, will never overflood its banks, but it did. And one of the years I know that it did was 1927. And my dad told me, he said that it was the week he was to get married. And he had one suit and he put it in the cleaner so he'd look good on Saturday. And when he went to pick it up, he said the cleaners were closed and wasn't there and couldn't get his suit. But as you and I and all people in love know, that love will find a way. And I think he borrowed a suit and was married on April 17th, 1927. That's the way it works. And this, the old timers, though, as I grew up, said, oh, it, grew, it, it overflowed then, but it won't do it again. We've got diversion canals, spillways, and we can handle it. But Katrina proved that wrong. And I think if you live long enough, you can enjoy some wonderful sunrises on the, uh, on the ocean. You can look and see storms and hurricanes come and go, tornadoes. But there is no place, there's absolutely no place that you and I can come and escape the storms of life. We are not immune from difficulty and problems. Leo Viscagli in one of his books tells of, of an experience in Cambodia that that the monsoons, the heavy rains come. And he said that, that, that the people, when these rains come, they take their few possessions and they put them on a, on a raft and they get on the raft and they go away. And they don't really try to have a whole lot of things because the monsoons, the rains come, and this is a repeated thing again and again. And Leo Biscaglia said, I ask myself sometimes, Biscaglia, if a monsoon were to come to Los Angeles, what would you take with you? Your color television? Your automobile? You see, 
when tragedy comes, we begin to understand the value of things. It shows how foolish we are when we place our trust in things, things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Paul is writing about a faith of which he knows that God will help him, will direct him. Many of us still try to to prove our worth by reciting uh, the good things that we've done, what we've done, our spiritual resumes, you might call it. We try to convince ourselves of, of our own goodness but I know that you know, as our scripture says, that, that no matter how many wonderful things you've done, I've done, that's not where our salvation comes. Our salvation comes, our justification comes from Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came so that we might have this life, this abundant life, who rose from the dead and is at the right hand of God, our Heavenly Father. Our lives take on a new relationship with God. Our guilt is gone as we know it. We're released to live a new life. We're released to live and be justified by Jesus. It's easy to discount things that, that I have not faced. I, I find that, that Paul must have felt this, that he was trying to share with people what had gone on. He had experienced so many things. Some of the things in, that are recorded in 2 Corinthians, some of these things that, that he had a personal knowledge of. Here are a couple of them from the, the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more times. I've been whipped more. I have been, been near death more often. Five times I have been given 39 lashes by the Romans. Once I was stoned. I have been, and that means he was thrown stones at him, not what some people mean. I have been in three shipwrecks. At once I spent 24 hours in the water. In my many travels, I have been in danger from the floods and from the robbers, in danger from fellow Jews and from Gentiles, from the dangers in cities and dangers in the wilds, dangers on the high seas, dangers from false friends. I've often gone without sleep. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've often been without food and shelter and clothing. And to mention other things, every day I'm under the pressure of my concern for my churches. Well, people might say to Paul, may have said to Paul, well, Paul, you don't really know much about life. Y'all have had that said to you, isn't it? If somebody looks at you and says, you don't really understand. And when I look at some of you and I know where you've been, I know some of the issues you faced with, with life. What what a testimony that you're still here, that you have been redeemed and God has done something for you. No, we know that no matter what happens to us, we still have a victory through Jesus Christ who loves us. The third and final thing is that Paul had a certainty. He had a certainty that God would see him through. For I'm certain he said that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor heavenly powers, or rulers, or things present, or things of the future, neither things in the world above or the world below. There's nothing in all of creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's our assurance. As we gather here today, we gather here as a people who have, have found that, that God comes into our lives and we're not alone. We, we will have some failings. We will fall short. We will have some experiences that we'd rather not have. But somehow we know that nothing can separate us. I uh, remember working on a job description with the ch chairman of our staff parish relations of one of my churches. And we were working on what this person in the church that, that was to be hired was to do. And we got through all of it, and he said, you need to add one more thing, a clarifying sentence. And I said, what's that? And he said, we need to put in this job description and anything else that you may be given to do. And anything else that you may be given to do. And I think that, that that's what Paul, he wanted to be on the safe side. He was clarifying. It out when he said, no, anything else in all of creation, that there's nothing, nothing that could separate us from the love of God that's ours in Christ Jesus. 
A number of years ago, uh, a seminary classmate found that his heart was bad and that he wasn't going to live very long without surgery. He uh, talked with his family, and they talked about his life. They talked about surgery. And heart surgery then, as well as now, is not always a sure thing. Uh, he preached a sermon. I got his bulletin, and the sermon was on the topic, something I learned in the last several weeks. And my friend uh, was looking at the risk that a heart transplant brought, and if he could get one before he died. And they went through all of the what-if questions, and his text for that sermon was from Philipp Philippians, the, the fourth chapter, six through seven, verses six through seven, don't worry about anything, but in your prayers, ask God for what you need. Ask him with a thankful heart, and his peace, which is beyond under human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. My friend was fortunate enough to have a heart transplant, and, and it, it was a wonderful thing. He had more than 10 years of, of life and, 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 and ministry with that new heart. And I stand here today certain of what Paul said. I believe it's true for you, it's true for me, that God is good, that even when the worst things happen to us, he's able to work it for good for us. When trouble comes, the promise for you and for me is that we're not alone that God is with us, and that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you absolutely sure? Positively? Yes, I am. May God bless us in the days ahead. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I close.